But Father, we come to your word in this time eager for you, eager to hear your voice. And, and so uh, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into our lives in this time and um, lead us into an understanding of your truth and lead us into faithfulness in Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read you um, three passages. Two of them are only one verse long. Um, we're going to start in Genesis. This passage from Genesis takes place um, right after the man and the woman fall into sin. And this is God explaining to them some of the consequences of, of what they've done. He's speaking to Adam here, starting with Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 17. To Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now the second passages come sort of right next to each other from Paul's letter to the Romans. It's from chapter 5 and chapter 6. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as uh, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. Yeah, that wasn't a whole sentence. That's just a subordinate clause if you're a grammarian. But I did, it gets the point I want you to have. It's half the sentence. And then I'm going to read you from, to you from uh, Romans 6, chapter Chapter 6, verse 23. This is maybe a verse you know. This is a common memory verse for folks, so it's a good one to know. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, this is God's word. Another good verse actually would have been this month's memory verse, but I knew you were going to get that, so I'd add, I added another one. But it's the same topic. For as in Adam all sin, all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So we're talking about death. I, I've uh, given you a heads up that we're going to spend March talking about death. And um, so I start off, I guess, with the obvious but important piece of information, and that is that you are going to die. Um, I'm hoping that you all were aware of that. But I am suspicious that you, like me, probably do not think about it a lot. And uh, it's important for us to think about it. And to know what we're thinking about and what we are talking about when we talk about death. And it's a very deep and, and big topic and one that we're going to talk about for uh, four weeks and still probably not get a very deep into it. Today, we're going to go into some uh, at least briefly into some fairly deep theological waters. Uh, I tried to figure out some way not to do that, but I don't think I can. So we're going to talk about death and what it is and what the Bible says about it. 
In, in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk some about how we react to it, how we feel about it, what we do with those things that we feel about death, um, and what it is that God's promising us and assuring us of in the face of death. But it's important, I think, for us to understand what, what we mean when we talk about death. Because we are all not only going to experience death, but in some respects, we have experienced aspects of death already. The Bible talks about death in, in several different ways, but always it's important to understand that death is, 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 is deeply related to sin. That the Bible never talks about death apart from an awareness of sin. Which is itself not a topic that we talk about very much, or like to talk about. It's not a very happy topic. So we're going to talk about sin, first of all. That there are a couple of aspects of sin. What it is, because that's what we see. This comes, what, what God says to Adam uh, at this point, is coming in response to the arrival of, of sin into the human existence. Invited in. So we're talking about sin in a couple of different ways. There are a couple of ways in which it affects us. One is that it makes it so. It is a departure from the will of God. It is a departure of our lives. And it's more than just a momentary event. It is really a kind of a way of life that we move into. And, and that's because there are a couple of aspects to it. First of all, one of the consequences of sin is guilt. We feel guilty. And it breaks our relationship with God. It's, Paul talks about it as an alienation. We become alienated from God. We become foreigners with regard to God. We are separated from God. It breaks the relationship. And you see that happen here. You see that immediately. Before the arrival of sin, the man and the woman had this intimacy with God because that's what we were made for. So it's telling the kids, we are made, we are designed to be in intimate relationship with God. That's who you are. That's who all people are. When we were designed, we were created, we are designed and created to be in communion with God. And that's what it means to be alive. We're designed for that. Sin breaks that. It, it ruptures that. Not only is it a problem for God, but it's a problem for us. The man and the woman, when they went into sin, their inclination at that point was to get away from God. So it, it plants in us a, a desire not to be close to God. That's not who we're meant to be, but that's what happens when sin and evil come into our lives. We become people who do not want relationship with God. What did the man and woman do when they sinned? And they heard God's presence. Their inclination was to hide and get away from Him. And, and as the chapter of Genesis 3 plays out, what we see is that, that that's the result, that there is distance then put between God and the human beings. They are put at distance from God. And, and they, in some sense, deep in themselves, want that. We see it. Jesus says that's what happens. In, Gen, in, in John 3, a little bit after, for God so loved the world, a few verses later, Jesus says, the light came into the world and human beings fled into the darkness because they don't like the light. They want to be in the darkness. They fled away from the light. And that's the natural inclination that comes with sin, a desire to get distance between us and God. Now, it's self-destructive, 
Because it's not who we're made for, what we're made for. It's not who we're made to be. We're designed for something else. So this fleeing from God is really self-destructive, but it, it, it is what we do. And in some respects, it clings to us. The other aspect of, of result of sin is, is, um, is the power of sin to corrupt, to break down, to decay, to distort. And, and that's something we experience. There is a, a that, that growing desire to be away from God is a corruption of our, our nature. It becomes distorted. It's not who we were, as I say, it's not who we're designed to be. So there is this, this corrupting and distorting. But actually also, even in the physical realm, that corruption is what we see in, this, in the sense of physical death and illness and all of that. It is a, a whole bending and wrenching of, of the whole created order. So what God says is not just, now cursed is your soul. That's not what he says, right? He says, cursed is the ground. The, the very stuff of creation, everything, body and soul, everything is corrupt, corrupted and distorted and decayed. And Paul talks about it in Romans 8. He talks about how the whole creation groans in longing for the redemption of God. You know, it's not just our soul that's corrupted. It's the whole of created order. Everything is distorted and corrupted. And we experience that, right? I mean, that's... That's what our lives are like. We, we know this, when I'm saying this, this is, at some point, this is, this is touching your experience, right? You know this. You know what this feels like. You know this, this brokenness that, that, in some sense, the way things work now is not the way it's supposed to be. There's something not right about it. And that's correct. It's true. That is not the way it's supposed to be. And that's, that's what sin does and it produces death. That was what God said at the beginning. When he, he laid this all out for them, he said, now this tree, you're not to, to eat that. And if you do, what's the result? You'll die. Now, that, that's, he's saying that's what will happen. That's what comes with sin. Death is the result. Now, interestingly, you'll... Everybody notices that they, of course, don't immediately die physically, right? They're still physically alive, though death is now injected into their physical being. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but there is death already. So the Bible talks about death, uses the word death to talk about three related things. So this is all our theology here, so we're going to do some theology. It talks about death in three different ways. It talks about spiritual death. If we go to Ephesians, uh, maybe a familiar passage, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, of course, they are physically alive, but they are spiritually dead. You are dead in your, your trans transgressions and sins. The passage I read to you, uh, for the wages of sin is death. This is a spiritual death. First of all, that, that's what comes with sin. And it is that broken relationship with God which results in a spiritual death. We're spiritually dead. And the remedy for that is, Paul says in verse 5 in Ephesians 2, so as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but in Christ you will be made alive. We have a verse up, right? 
So in Christ we'll all be made alive. The remedy for sin and spiritual death is to be made alive. So there's spiritual death, and that's that separation between us and God, which God wants to repair. And so he talks about that in a couple of ways, this being made alive. Um, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus that in the night, right, he said to Nicodemus, you have to be, some of you know this, right? You have to be what? There we go, we can talk to each other. You have to be born again, right? You have to be born over again. You have to be reborn because you are dead. You're not alive. And to become alive, you have to be born, right? So that's how you become alive. You become alive by being born. Paul uses the term that we are, in Christ, we are a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, in Christ, you become a new creation. He has to recreate you because you, when you were, you were created and then you died. And so to be made alive, we have to be remade. Is to be made alive. That's the remedy. Spiritual death requires new life. You have to have a new life. And salvation in Christ is described as this new beginning of life. Because you're dead. And so to become al alive, you have to be born over again. You have to be made again. I'm going to come back to that. It's second birth is, it, is it what we have to have to be, become alive. So with spiritual death. Now, there are a couple of things here I want to go on to talk about this. I want to point out that God's intention is not that you should stay dead. Um, we don't have to fight with God to get him to, to make us alive again, right? It's not against his will that we are reborn. You know, it's part of his desire. He wants that. And, and he gives us a couple of concrete facts, uh, uh, expressions or examples of that, reminders of it. The, the fact that we, we don't die as soon as we sin physically is an expression of God's desire to reclaim us. Right? If, if the man and the woman had been struck physically dead immediately, the Bible would end with chapter 3 of Genesis, right? Because there wouldn't be anything else, nothing else to tell. But as I've reminded you before, the Bible is a big book, right? It's not just three chapters long. If God did not want to reclaim us, the Bible would be three chapters long and we wouldn't be reading it. But when you pick it up and it's heavy, that heaviness is a reminder that all of the rest of this is about God's work to reclaim us. So the fact that we don't die the instant we sin, but stay physically alive, is an expression of God's desire to reclaim us. The fact that the Bible is heavy and is more than three chapters long is an expression that God has a plan to reclaim us. So spiritual death need not be permanent. It can be permanent, but it does not need to be permanent. It is not God's desire that it should be permanent. But that another expression, another way in which death is talked about in the Bible is what we might call eternal death. That is spiritual death made permanent, which is what we call judgment, damnation. It, it is the, the, the assertion that death can be, spiritual death can become permanent, eternal. 
if the remedy is not applied, if we don't receive that remedy of new birth, if we don't give our lives over and cling to the, the Savior Jesus to bring new life to us, then when we die in this physical body, spiritual death becomes eternal death. Eternal alienation and eternal separation from God. This is not a happy topic, but it's one that we have to be aware of. That while the promise is that death, spiritual death, does not need to be permanent, it can be. But it doesn't need to be. There is a remedy. There is a new birth. There is a new creation. There is the work of Jesus to make us alive again. And in Christ, when new life comes, then the meaning of death for us changes. Is my microphone off? Is that why there's scurrying in the back? Okay. Should I just use a handheld? You're looking for batteries. I can do this if it's on. Is it on? No. Yo. Does this work? There we go. All right. Well, we're working on this. Oh, there we go. All right. So that's, that, those are the, the, the aspects of death too. The, the, the other is physical death. And today we don't have as much time to go into that. That's what we're going to talk about next week is what happens in physical death. But all of those, those other aspects of death, and physical death is also an expression of the fact that we live in a sin-sick world. There is in us a sense, as I mentioned, that death is somehow not natural. It's not normal. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And there, there is a resistance in us, an awareness that somehow, at some place, somewhere in this, death is not normal to the world we are in, or the world that it was meant to be, we are meant to be in. So that kind of resistance to it is, is not wrong. But its meaning changes when we, we see death in light of the work of Christ. And its power over us changes, or should change. This is why it's important for us to talk about death, so that we can understand it more clearly. We still resist it. It's still painful. There are still very painful aspects to death. But it doesn't have to be ultimate fear or ultimate despair. I shared with you in the, the Venice Views last, I think a month ago, when I was writing a little bit about death, um, an experience with my, my father's death recently that was very important to me and helped me to experience a sense of this removal of the power of death over us. Um, so, you know, we were, I grew up in a, in a church. We were church people. We didn't uh, talk about our faith as fully as maybe would have been good, but, but we were church people and we knew the gospel. We had heard that. So I had the blessing, and, and I'm grateful for this because I might not have had it, but my father was, as I say, died uh, about two months ago. 
Um, I was already planning to preach this series before that, so it wasn't, that wasn't the main reason we're doing that, but it did add to the, to the desire. The day before he died, Meg and I went to see him in the hospital. He was really sick, and it was very plain to us that he was dying, and was, he was miserable. Um, and it's, it seemed to us very unlikely that the idea that he was dying had not crossed his mind. It was, was fairly obvious. And it seemed important to us to talk to him about it, so we talked about it. We raised the topic, and, I, and I, we asked him about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Are you you're hanging on to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? And he had this mask on, so that was keeping him alive, kind of, but he could tell us yes and no things, and yes, he trusted in Jesus. And we said, are you, are you, are you ready to be with Jesus? And yes, he was. And we could hold his hand and pray with him during that time. And what, what had happened, what, was, what, what I saw before me at that point was that death had not become unreal, but it had lost its teeth. It didn't have the teeth to hurt him anymore. It, it didn't have power over him or us at that point. It was painful. He was suffering. It was miserable. And there was coming a separation that was going to be painful, which we'll talk about in the weeks ahead. But there was not ultimate loss in it. It was no longer, it was not permanent. And death did not have a power. Now, that was a blessing that not everybody gets, to be able to talk about that with someone who is facing death. But it, it is a blessing to be had when you can. And that's why it's so important to be able to talk about death with one another at this time. So that we can experience the, the loss of death's power over us. That death is no longer permanent. So that I know that for my father, permanent death was not in the cards. That's not for him. One writer I read getting ready for this, and I, I should probably remember this, but I can't remember which one it was now, said this about births and deaths. He said, for those who have two births, there is only one death, and it's temporary. We're all born in the flesh. When we are born in Christ, there is only one death, and it's the temporary physical death we all pass through. And then no more death. For those born only once, there are two deaths. Physical death and eternal death. And that's permanent. In Christ, we can face death. When we are born in Christ, we can face death knowing that it is not permanent. And it has no permanent power over us. It doesn't mean it's not painful. But it's not permanent. And it does not have the power to take away our hope and our assurance. We want to be able to face death that way. We can. And we want to be able to do that. It's important that you know Jesus, that you rest in him, that you experience that new birth, and you can be at peace. And that's why it's so important for us to share this news with other people, so that they also need not be terrified in the face of death. 
It's the promise we have. Yes, this world is not the way it's supposed to be right now. It's also not the way it will always be. Our God is changing all of this. And there is a time coming when there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. When this old order will have passed away. When our God will have made everything new. Revelation 21. That's the promise. That's for you and me. We'll talk more about this in the days ahead. Our Father, we ask for you to be very present with us now as we, as we meditate on this reality. I ask you to, to take away the fear that it brings to us because it has no power over us now in Christ. Grant us to know that in, our, in the core of who we are. Grant us to know the ever-deepening communion we are meant to have with you. Help allow us to know that more and more fully, more and more tangibly, really, in our lives. Enable us to live as those who have hope. A hope that will not fail. Thank you that in Christ, you have promised to give us all of this. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pastor Gary's Audio Notebook. If you found it helpful, please leave a review on whatever platform it is where you get your podcasts. If you'd like to check out more of my content, you'll find links to my blog and to my YouTube channel in the notes to this episode. I have a great deal of written and video material in those two locations. Check back regularly to this podcast site. I'll be posting new audio material here regularly. Thanks. Thanks.